We want to welcome you this morning to our second virtual church service that we've implemented in view of all that's happening in Saskatoon and area with this uh, coronavirus pandemic. We're thankful that you decided to join us online, and we pray that the service will be a, a great blessing to you. Just one quick announcement uh, in view of all that's happening. We've implemented uh, another opportunity for you to be able to give through e-transfer. If you go on our website, that will explain all of that. And Tammy has sent out uh, an email to everyone. Have a great day. Thank you.
gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope.
Well, thank you so much, worship team. I appreciated that worship very much. Well, my greatest fear has come upon me of showing up in church to preach, and nobody's there to hear me. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and thanks that even in times like this, in times of uncertainty and doubt, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are our God, that you are our Savior, that you are with us. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring life to the words that I'm about to speak, that only the truth would go forth and only the truth would be received. And I ask it in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may have heard the name Dr. Viktor Frankl. Dr. Frankl was a psychiatrist who was arrested by the Nazis uh, during the Second World War and interned in a camp simply because he was Jewish. In that camp, the Nazis killed his wife and his children and his parents. They took away his clothes. They cut off his wedding ring. And in response, Dr. Frankel said this, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And so if you are a Christian, there is one choice that you can make no matter what situation you find yourself in in this life. And that is to live a life of joy and thanksgiving no matter what. Let's keep in mind that as Paul is writing this to the church in Philippi, he is in prison. And yet he's writing to the Philippian church and he's saying, I want you to experience the same joy on the outside as I am experiencing here on the inside in jail. It's, it's, it, true joy is possible if we can learn to, to look beyond the obstacles that we see in front of us. We can know joy in the midst of whatever we're facing. Number one, we know that because God's word assures us of it. We can know it also because some of us, like me, have experienced that from time to time in my life, that in the midst of difficulties, that we experience joy. 
We've seen other people live like that in the midst of difficulty to live a life of joy. And of course, we know it because we see it lived out in the life of the Apostle Paul and shared so beautifully in the book of Philippians. Again, remember that he is in jail. He is awaiting trial before Caesar in Rome. He's chained day and night to a Roman soldier. He has no privacy. He has no privileges. And for as long as two years, he lived under these circumstances. And he writes to this church that he founded in the city of Philippi. And he's concerned for them. But he wants them to live lives of joy. And it's important for us to learn that the joy is an intentional state of heart and mind. It's not something that just happens accidentally. We choose joy in our life, whether we're on the mountaintops or whether we're in the valleys, we choose joy. And so in this prison cell, Paul chose joy over defeat. Now, he he could have let it affect him. I was in Caesarea a couple weeks ago and and saw what they believe may have been uh, Paul's prison. And, and, And I can assure you that it wasn't much of a prison. He didn't have TV privileges. He didn't get three meals a day. He was chained to two Roman guards 24 hours a day. And yet we see in verse 3 that this joy enabled him to give thanks. It didn't, being in prison didn't blind him to the things that he still could be thankful for. So, so let's read uh, Philippians 1, 3 to 11, and, and read what Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, I thank my God, this is Philippians 1, 3 to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you will be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. This is is an amazing, amazing passage. It, it, It reminds us, again, even in the midst of things like pandemics, that in the midst of that, we can remember the victories of the past. Again, let me reread verses 3 to 6. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so Paul had good reason to be thankful for the Philippian believers. Their church was one of his greatest missionary successes. It began with a rather uh, unlikely core. 
to begin this church, an unlikely group of members. There was a, a merchant named Lydia. There was a, a demon-possessed slave girl who, who continued, carried on what would become like a, a psychic hotline for her owners. And there was a jail guard. These were Paul's first and only converts that are mentioned in Acts chapter 16 because shortly after, he was forced to leave Philippi. And so God's hand was on this church. Over the passing months and the, and, and the years, this church grew as more and more and more people surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and began to trust in him. The Philippians grew in their faith to help support Paul's other missionary journeys and missionary efforts. And this group of, again, unlikely converts grew into a strong church, a church of people who were absolutely sold out to Jesus Christ. And so, of course, Paul remembered them with gratitude. He could see how, how, how God had helped them accomplish his mission. And when we face trials and difficulties and suffering or whatever obstacle set itself up in our lives, when we're tempted to give up to despair, when we're tempted to give in and to stop, just take a moment. Take a moment and remember what God has done in your life. Look back over your life. It might be that he had given you some moment of deliverance, delivered you from some sorrow or some pain or some difficulty, from physical healing, some financial problem, but he has delivered you from it. Maybe you can look back and, and, and see a clear way that God has led in your life. You can see maybe some blessings that he provided, the victories that are won, the, the, the encouragement that he has given you in your life. And so even though our, our troubles may be present, we can still look back and see our blessings. We can count them one by one and say, oh God, thank you. And so when we face these difficulties, sometimes we forget God's faithfulness. Maybe you're like me sometimes, and I, and I, I find myself thinking, yes, God has, has blessed me. He's worked in my life in the past, but I don't see how he is ever going to help me get through this. We tend to sometimes see only the detours, only the dangerous path that we're on. But beloved, I believe that if we will take the time to look back, we will also see in our lives at various times the joy of victory, the challenge of the climb, and the presence of a traveling companion by the name of Jesus who promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And so in those times, times like we're experiencing today in, in our city, in our province, in our country, and throughout this world uh, of this terrible pandemic, that even in those times, we can still take the time to look back and say, yes, things are difficult today, but we can remember what God has done in our life in the past. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, in the midst of anxiety, even when you're in difficult circumstances, take the time to reflect on the opportunities of the present. 
He said, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains and de or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're like me, and sometimes I can get so blinded by everything that is wrong in my life, that anything that's wrong in and around us, that we forget to be thankful for the things that we do have. And I'm convinced that if you can stop for a moment and, and take an inventory of what you have in your life right now, not ignoring the difficult things, not ignoring the pain, not ignoring the apprehension and the confusion that you may be feeling in this day and age that we're living in today, that if you can take time, you will find things positive in your life. And Paul reflected on his connections with the Philippians, that, that, that he had these people that were gathered around him, and, and he reflected on how much they loved him and how much he loved them. And these thoughts filled him with joy and thanksgiving. Reflecting on what's right in our life or what we have in our life reminded him that he was not alone. He knew that the Philippian believers were praying for him and thinking about him, whether he was in jail or whether he was out evangelizing the nations. The Philippians were there for him. And beloved, I believe that if we take that inventory and we look around, we will find people who are there for us. People who are with us and praying for us and, and perhaps <laughs> we, spending time with us and helping us out. Sometimes I think that we as Christians think that the whole work of the kingdom of God is completely on us, that, that I have to do it, that individually we're kind of like Elijah, who thought that he was the only person in Israel who wanted to accomplish the work of God. But it's just not so, beloved. God doesn't work to work just through you. He works through many, many people. And it doesn't depend just on us. Around the world, even in this time, there are millions of people, millions of Christians who are praying for God to intervene in all that's going on. And in Canada and in Saskatchewan and in Saskatoon, there are many, many, many people, hundreds, hundreds, maybe even thousands, that are praying right now for all of this to be overcome by God. We are a part, if you are a Christian, you are a part of the family of God. You are a part of something big and beautiful. And that fellowship encourages us and blesses us, even in times like this. So in these times, might I encourage you to, to, to avoid, avoid looking at the uncertainty, or at least avoid, avoid, avoid focusing on this uncertainty that is around us and stop and reflect on what and who you have in your life. Take stock of the opportunities that are right in front of us. Friends, as difficult as things are right now, we have phenomenal opportunities as the church all 
around us, to reach out to people who need a touch, to help people who might not be able to do things that they would normally do right now, for people who are quarantined or, or, or they're older and so they're concerned about, about going out. Last week, Jeremy used a quote from A.W. Tozer in his message, and, and I don't know if I've got it correct, exactly correct, but it says something like this, that a scared world needs a fearless church. And beloved, we, because of Christ, can be fearless right now. And so we have an opportunity in, in the, to help and to minister in the lives of people that we encounter all around us. That in the midst of the turmoil, might they see us being full of joy and, and being full of peace and being full of thanksgiving and being thoughtful to those around us who might be in need. And, and, and so we want to remember the, the past and what God's done in our lives. We want, to, we want to reflect on the opportunities that we have as Christians and as a church in the present. But Paul doesn't even stop there. He goes on and he says, in the midst of our anxiety, let us reflect on the hope of the future. Verses 9 to 11, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so there's a lot contained in these few verses, but I want to focus just for a moment on this little phrase that's buried in these verses, until the day of Christ. You see, ultimately, lasting joy, true joy, is a matter of faith. People who have faith in Christ ha have a brighter hope for a better tomorrow. This isn't just the power of positive thinking. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, 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 that whether we live or die, Jesus has prepared for us and guaranteed us a great future. Paul lived as though his days were numbered. His primary focus, even in prison, was on knowing Christ and knowing him more and more. He says later in chapter 1, verse 21, he says that to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In prison, where he could have just languished around and felt sorry for himself and been full of self-pity. He, he took the time to refocus on his hope for the future. He saw what God had done in the past through him and in him. He looked forward with what, to what was still to come. He refocused on his mission. He was excited by the prospects of the Philippians achieving Christlikeness. Of all that God was going to do in and through them. He gave himself over to God's grand purpose. And despite the obstacles, he was enthusiastically completing God's promises and God's purposes in his life. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you looking forward to meeting Jesus? And if your answer is that you're not, then it's going to be very difficult for you 
to experience peace and joy in times like this. It's going to be hard for you to be filled with hope about the future. If you're listening, if you're watching to this, and you're a Christian, but you have to admit that, you know what, I have lost hope for the future, then I want to encourage you to take some time to rethink what we have discussed here today in, our me- in the message. Reread Philippians 1, 3 to 11, and, and see, and, and look back and, and, and take an inventory and say, is there anywhere where my priorities or my focus have changed for the worse? Maybe you need to, to take time and to, to confess sin and, and renew your commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And I would implore you, do not let any more of your present go into the past without having a hope for your future. Some may have no hope for the future because you have never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. And you have never in your life known what it means to have true joy, to have true peace in your life, to be truly thankful for all that happens in your life, the positive and the negative, the the easy and the difficult. All of that is found in Jesus Christ. And if you've never made that decision, you can change that today, this very day. You can ask Jesus to come into your life. You can ask Jesus to fill you, to set you free from sin and from pain and from sorrow. And you can surrender your life to him. Well, the hope that Paul is talking about here, the hope that he shares here is the hope of Christ's return. There's certainly some hopes in the future for all of us. We can grow. We can change. We can rebuild our life if it's rebuilt on Christ. I know that. At 28 years old, I surrendered my life to Christ And although I thought I had a good life, I realized how short of God I had fallen. And so I began to rebuild my life, not on my own power, not on my own ability, but in the power and the abilities of Christ. The solid foundation for our life. It may well be that there are some relationships in your life that you believe will never, ever be restored. I'm here to say that Jesus may well restore them. You can be used by God to help others, to help others change their lives. And in times like this, as we've seen, you can be used by God to help bring peace and comfort to people. And you can help other people to change their lives. And so we've seen that the key to lasting joy when we face obstacles and struggles and trials and, yes, even pandemics is that we take a moment to look back, to remember our past and look at the various ways that God intervened in our life and supported us and came alongside and walked with us. We can reflect on the present. And all the opportunities that we have to be Christ to people around us. We can refocus on the future. If we spend our time and our efforts on ourselves, 
and making sure that I am always looked after and everything focuses around me, then we're not going to be able to choose joy because we won't be able to find joy. We've got to have a mission. We've got to have a purpose that is bigger than me, that is bigger than you. And this is true joy in life, beloved being used for a purpose that we know is the greatest purpose on the face of the earth. And lasting joy is possible if we learn to keep on keeping on in joy, even in the midst of pain and sorrow and grief and confusion and doubt and fear and anxiety. And yes, even in the midst of worldwide pandemics. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your mercy and for your grace, for the comfort, for the joy, the peace that you bring to our lives every day, but particularly in those times when we desperately need those things. So Father, I pray that you would enable us to be used, empower us to be used in the lives of people today who desperately need to know that there is a firm foundation to build their lives on. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
Receive now the benediction of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And may he remind us to remember our past and all the ways that he's worked in our lives. May he remind us to, to focus on the present and the opportunities that we have to be Christ to others. And may he remind us that we have a glorious, glorious hope for the future. Amen. Go forth in his name and in his power. Thanks for watching.